0: Anyway, we're on, this, we're on the third week um, of Advent, the third Sunday. Our passage is from Luke uh, chapter 3, and which is just a continuation of what we started last week. It kind of chopped that passage right in half. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the major themes of this time of year is preparation, getting ready. Um, God is doing something new. And... Um, Israel is waiting. They're expecting uh, God. Uh, They don't know when God's going to show up. And Israel has a history. right? uh, uh, God delivers them from oppression, from being marginalized, and to create a community where people aren't marginalized or oppressed. Um, But as the story goes on, we realize that Israel looks a lot like all the other nations. And they have their share of oppression in marginalizing others. And so God's protection is uh, withdrawn. And like many empires, uh, they're invaded, um, they're destroyed, they're sent into exile. They're allowed to go back and they're living in Jerusalem when Jesus is born. But there's a sense that the exile is not over. Um, at first, it's believed that it's going to be about 70 years, and then there's uh, the prophecy in the book of Daniel. It says uh, it's not 70 years, it's 70 times 70 years, roughly 500 years. So after exile, after they go into exile, guess what? It's about 500 years, and we see these passages, and John the Baptist shows up, and they're waiting, and they're preparing. And so now this kingdom, God is going to do something new, and there's this idea of preparation. Um, I struggle with preparation sometimes, and in particular, I was talking with Lisa about this just a few weeks ago. Um, I said, you know, one of the things I always struggle with, um, it just seems like forever, this is this shows up every once in a while where it causes me a bit of stress, is I don't know how to dress for something. Um, I don't know what's appropriate uh, for a particular event. Um and some of you are saying, "Yeah, you've been wearing jeans for 17 years now on Sunday." Uh, dressing up, um, I rolled up my sleeves today. That's my uh, Sunday morning. At least you got rid of that belt that was always hanging. Yeah, the belt. Yeah. Um, so one time, so my best friend in college, who's also was named Dan. Um, and we ran in the same circle. So it was always odd when someone called and wanted to talk to Dan. We never know which one they wanted. But um, he lives in uh, one of the Carolinas. Um, no, where's the uh, that triangle, the, the research triangle? North Carolina. North Carolina. He lives in North Carolina. Works. Uh, he's a professor down there um, in athletic training. Um, we studied athletic training for a while, and then I switched. I changed majors. Um, but he's a very close friend, and I, I went to his, uh, He I was invited to be his best man at his wedding. This is about one month before Sophie was born, so Lisa couldn't go. And um, Now, the wedding was easy, because you're wearing a text, and that was all picked out for you, right? But I, I just, the bachelor party, the first day showed up, we hung out, the two of us, and then the next day was uh, what he planned for the bachelor party was a, just a big gathering of uh, the wedding party uh, playing golf, and I just didn't play a lot of golf. I practiced the golf with my dad uh, before we went down, and but I didn't, you know, there's a way, there's there's kind of unspoken rules. There's etiquette on the golf course. You, sh- you should be wearing a collar like I do every Sunday morning, <laughs> uh, but not jeans. You're not supposed to wear jeans, and I had some, like cargo shorts and a t-shirt on, <laughs> and I just felt awkward, and I, I'm just in these situations where I just don't know, like, what am I, how am I supposed to, to dress for this, and I just felt extremely uh, self-conscious and awkward, um, and because uh, I'm playing with him, we're playing the scramble, um, where uh, it's like teams, two people are playing two other teams, and you play the best ball, um, whichever, you, you know, you, your partner, whichever one hits the best ball, you take that one. And you hit your next shot so because he's the groom and it's his party he's at the front we're at the front of this whole line of people which means there's a ton of people watching and we're out there on the driving range waiting for our tea time i take a practice swing i, I completely whiff the ball i miss it and then i take another one and I, I hit the ground and i still didn't hit the ball and i'm thinking we're i'm going to be in front of everyone we're the first cart uh, I don't feel comfortable with what I'm wearing. I obviously can't hit the ball, um, and uh, luckily, I hit the ball and I had the best ball, and I, um, so that was a little bit of a relief. But then came the uh, rehearsal dinner, and at that evening, I still didn't quite know what to wear and what to pack, and just uh, and that's happened many times over the years where right? I just didn't. Last <laughs> summer had a hot, really hot wed- uh, wedding coming up, and um, i've I've outgrown my suit a little, uh, so I had to get new clothes and wasn't sure uh, what to wear that that went better. but um, it's just been one of those things where I just want to know. Just tell me. <laughs> just tell me what to wear. Um, and i 'll do that because uh, it's better than not knowing. We have a situation like that uh, this week in our passage. Um, at North Harbor. Um, if you haven't noticed, uh, we don't always like to land the plane for you on a passage. Um, I think that when we connect with the Spirit of God and we have one of those aha moments, that that is so much stronger than me telling someone what to do. And so there's lots of times on a Sunday morning where we're going to teach the passage and just let it speak to you, and you you got to figure it out. We're not going to land the plane. You even see it with Lori up here when she does the stories. She ends with questions. I wonder what they were thinking when this happened. I wonder why Jesus said it this way. That's purposeful. That's designed uh, so that uh, you leave with questions. And we've had people that go to other churches because they they haven't said it outright this way, but basically what they're saying is we just want someone to tell us what to do. And it's like, well, you know, Jesus, there's there's plenty of clarity in Scripture. Don't, uh, you know, love your enemies. Uh, pray for those who persecute you. There's some very clear things, but there's lots of there's lots of mystery. And I think in the Protestant tradition, we don't like mystery very well. Protestantism was born about the same time our modern sense of science was born, and science is where you pick things apart and you figure out how it works. And uh, that comes through in a lot of Protestant churches. In the Catholic Church, there's plenty of mystery. There's plenty of entering into this time where we're not quite sure. Uh, what to do, and so in the first week, the challenge was: Listen, this is a time to prepare the first Sunday of Advent. And I said, Think about this: w- In what ways are, is God leading you? Which means we got to go home and and do the work. Well, sometimes we have passages that are kind of like my quest to know what to wear. They just tell us, and that's one of those passages this morning where John just is like, you know, if people ask, what do I do? It's a pretty simple. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. So. John the Baptist lands the plane for us this morning. Um, Last week, we hear him as a voice in the wilderness, make straight the path. And the question is well, how do we do that? And here's part of the answer it's very practical, very straightforward. I love it. So, John, or, or Luke, I'm sorry, Luke 3, verse 7 says, When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes! Who warns dutifully the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live, that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we, have, we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. We, and this is shocking, I think, for this crowd. Uh, that means nothing. That's, that's our whole history. That whole story I told earlier, that's, a, that's something that's handed down. The promises are handed down generation to generation, leader to leader, king to king. And the prophets are the ones that guard that story and say, right, here's how you're living up to it. And he's telling them, listen, this isn't about your heritage. We can't look at that and say, hey, we're good to go. We're God's people. God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And he says it really simple. Prove by the way that you live. And this heritage, you know, this this doesn't really count uh, for you. Uh, God is doing something new. If we're going to prepare, we need to prepare. And we can't just rest. Um, and wait. So it's interesting because in this passage he's speaking to the crowds and in Matthew he's speaking to leaders, religious leaders. Uh, but he says, you brood of snakes. Who warned you to flee the power? Uh, to, to, to flee how does he put it? Who warned you? The coming wrath of God. The coming wrath of God. Yeah. And I think there's some I guess the technical term would be subterfuge. There's a, there's a little deception. There's a self-deception. Subterfuge would be like if you're playing poker and you're bluffing. You're doing something on purpose to deceive someone else, to gain an end. And it appears, particularly in Matthew when it's the leaders, that they're coming out to uh, make it look like that they've changed their mind. And John sees right through it and says, no. You can't do that. You can't just come out here. You got to actually do something, and you cannot rest on your heritage mm-hmm. or your status. This is down to simple action. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes, uh, I, I was I was wondering, like, what is what is our equivalent of that? Um, the United States is a bit of a melting pot of cultures, and. Uh, I was thinking what do we do um, and we have you know separation of church and state? This is very different for Israel because that's everything's religious there. There's no separation of church and state and um, and your ethnic heritage and religion. Um, i I think that sometimes what we do is we we compare ourselves to others and we say, Well, at least I don't mm. right? I think that. Oftentimes, we can get caught up in that game. At least I'm not like so-and-so. At least I don't do this. Yeah, I got some work to do, but at least I don't. Um, And that was the best I could come up with. Um, As far as landing the plane, you can all (laughs) figure that out. I mean, what do you do? I don't know. Um, But I think we all do it. I think it's a human thing where we just try to convince ourselves that everything's all right. We're okay. And John says, no, no, you can't rest on that. Um, and what's really interesting here is that there's no, there's no pointing to religion or ritual. It's not about your prayers. It's not the fact that you pray. It's not the fact that you come here on a Sunday. It's not the fact that we sing songs and we know the words. Um, all this doesn't, he doesn't mention religion or ritual at all in this passage, which reminds us of Israel's history, where it says, uh, the prophets say, it's not sacrifice that I desire, it's a broken spirit. It's that mm-hmm. our heart united with God. You know, Show me by your actions. Um, and John sounds, John being a prophet, sounds very similar. And that same theme is coming out. So the question, I'm at the wedding. What do I do? What do I wear? And they're asking, what should we do? And I love it. This is one of those, Jesus is a bit more mysterious. You know, Sometimes he says things and we're like, I don't know what he's saying. John, his cousin, is, Got a different personality, right? Straightforward. What should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors. This is interesting. They're not just tax collectors. John tells us they're corrupt tax collectors. Came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, Collect more, no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Some soldiers. Ask. So this is interesting as well in Luke because we don't have just have Jewish people. We have soldiers, which would be Roman soldiers. I don't recall any story in Jewish history where you have Jewish soldiers. Um, there might be some vigilantes, freedom fighters, but not soldiers. So these are most likely Roman soldiers. What should we do? <clears throat> Don't extort money, or make false accusations, and be content with your pay. Um, so three different groups, and he's very specific. Uh, I guess the crowd is not specific, but the crowd is there. What should we do? And he says, be generous. Be generous. If you have extra, share it with others. It's that simple. So if we're asking the question, you know, what do we do? What is Advent about? Here's what it, John's telling us: be Generous. Share what you have. Um, <clears throat> and it's not to put ourselves into poverty. If you have two, share one. I didn't say give two away. If you have two, give one away. Share what you have. Tax collectors, this is a this is a this is a vocation where the as long as the government got what they wanted. The tax collectors could extort more money and just keep it for themselves. And it was just commonly overlooked. Like, like you know, the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> no comment on that. Uh, I'm very sure it's very different than the IRS uh, back then. Um, <clears throat> and so it's just it's just overlooked. And uh, they don't really care. And oftentimes they would employ uh, Jewish people to collect from Jewish people because it might go better that way. Um, but you just had a whole host of people that uh, were corrupt. they just take more. Uh, Zacchaeus is, would be one. Uh, one of the disciples, uh, Matthew, was a tax collector. Um, and so it doesn't necessarily mean that they were corrupt. But in this, in this uh, instance, he says, even ta- corrupt tax collectors came. To be baptized. And again, the idea is that God is coming. God is doing something. So they're going out. And remember last week that we talked about that the word of God went out to John and then he came out and called people to repent. And sometimes we get this strange idea that we got to do something first in order to connect with God. And it's like, no, God has taken the initiative. And What you have here are a group of people, even soldiers, who want, they're they're excited to look for something. Because we talk about, hey, be generous, and let's look out for corruption in your business practices. And we think we beat ourselves up. I'm I'm such a bad person. These are people who are expecting that God's kingdom is coming. It's good. Uh, They're excited about it. And so they're at a point where they're like, I'm ready. I want to do something. What do I need to do to be ready? And even soldiers. Uh, and I think when it says be content with your pay, it doesn't mean that, uh, like in our modern society, we can't uh, go to your employers and say, you know, negotiate a contract. I don't think it's that. It's, it's that they're, they're using force to uh, also extort money from people. Don't, don't do that. Um, don't be brutal in that way where others are marginalized uh, because... You don't have enough. Um, There's other ways to deal with that. And so it's it's simple. It's straightforward. And I've often thought of the kingdom of God in the sense that Jesus is a king and the king uh, sets the mood and the tone and the rules, the lifestyle for what his kingdom will look like. And so just like At the golf outing, I'm showing up and I don't feel like I fit in. If Jesus is setting up a generous kingdom and we're a part of it and we're not generous, it's just not going to fit. Right. I think sometimes we only think of it as God's going to be angry. And it's like, well, let's think of it this way. We're going to this party. We're going to this kingdom. We're going to this situation that God sets things up, and it's a generous place. And if we're not generous, if we're greedy, we're gonna, it's not going to work for us. We're not going to fit. If we try to get things by force, it's not going to work because that's not the way Jesus does. He does things. He lays his life down for the sake of others. We pray for our enemies. Uh, we turn the other cheek. That's what his kingdom looks like. And so if we're living in his kingdom, it's not going to fit. And these people are excited to be a part of it. And they're going out and simply asking, what do we do? And so I don't have a lot of depth for you this morning. It's just, I mean, John answers the question. It's very practical. And knowing the people we have here, we have a lot of generous people. We have a lot of, Uh, We have some business owners who are very fair and very generous. And so, I think it's worth the church also looking at the world around us and the places where we work and the people that we hang out with and asking ourselves, how do we bring that Advent spirit to them as well, where these things don't exist? How do we do it as a community? How do we do it as individuals? How do we do it with our kids? Um How do we create that kingdom and let it spread and announce it like like John does? Excited. Yeah, excited. I'm excited to be a part of this. Amen. Um, So these people have a desire to follow God and be with God. And there's also no mention about ritual or religion, which is interesting. Um, He goes on. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. There it is. That's Advent. Everyone was expecting this. They're anticipating it to come soon. They were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. Maybe he's the one. And this was common. There was people that showed up saying, you know, I'm the Messiah, and they did different things. Uh, So that's not uncommon to think, okay, maybe this person's it. No, not it, not it, not it. Jesus comes. John answered and said, I baptize you with water, but someone's coming who is greater than I am so much greater that I'm not worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gather the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never ending fire. John used many such warnings to announce the good news to the people. Someone is coming. And this is a picture of a really deep cleaning, (laughs) right? Because in order to be generous, um, in order not to use force, um, John addresses these things because these are the things that we struggle with. These are the things that we do. We want to hold on. We want to believe that things provide security. Uh, we want to think. We want to believe that we're not going to get ours, so we need to take it from someone else. And it happens all over in many ways. And so, what he is announcing is that Jesus will um, come with fire. There's going to be a cleansing that happens, and that's what needs. And so, these people are coming. They're being dunked. They're being in the Jordan, and they're saying, "I'm ready. I'm ready for this, and I am preparing." Right? Amen. Right. Yeah. So Advent. Um, It can feel heavy. Um, I think it needs to a little bit because when we get to Christmas Eve, that's where the joy and the singing start, the celebration. He's come, he's come, and he's come in this Mm -hmm. small, humble uh, way. um, And he's come among us as one of us. He has emptied himself and has not taken force Taken by force, that power that he has as a God, and he's handed it over. Um, Thinking of Paul writing in chapter two. Um, Yeah. And so these are practical things, and maybe it's worth uh, let you land the plane. What are the practical things we can do? Just real simple reminders. This is why we come back to this every single year. The Advent time of Advent, this season, to remind ourselves again, all right, how do I prepare? How do I get ready? Um, How do I move forward and uh, receive what God has for me in this anticipation and this excitement? Sound good? Mm -hmm. We're going to take communion, and I love how the theme begins to turn because uh, our reading from the New Testament, I think I, I just forgot it last week, from Philippians 3. Our reading this week is from Philippians 4. And you can feel at this point that the mood is starting to turn. And Paul writes, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Easier said than done, right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Amen. And thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience, then, then you will experience God's peace, Amen. which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen. So I love this theme of rejoicing because we come to this time of communion where we look at Jesus Uh, giving up and sacrificing. And it feels like a heavy night. He's saying, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. But he, he saw something beyond that that gave him great joy to be able to do that. And he struggled. He prayed that, you know, maybe this wouldn't be the way, but he does it anyway, because of the joy that's set before him, as the writer of Hebrews says. And so we take communion. Uh, Eduardo will be down front here uh, serving communion, and Linda will be out there. Um, we have them set up so that we can uh, spread out our crowd. So maybe if you uh, are getting your kids, we can uh, be out there, and anyone else can come up here. Um, and we celebrate uh, Jesus' sacrifice and showing us uh, what John is calling us to do. As practical as it is, uh, Jesus does something practical with that meal. It says, this is my body. This is my blood. It's a simple image that shows us something very profound that God is calling us into. So let's unite our hearts in prayer and take communion. God, we come to you asking, what do we do? Just tell us. And sometimes you bring us into a time of mystery. Other times... Uh, When we have the ears to hear, it's so simple. Be generous. Pray. Rejoice. Bring your worries to me. Um, Call out injustice. Um, Love others. Love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Turn the other cheek. There's a host of very simple instructions that we find in your word. Speak to us now and give us direction as we prepare our hearts for your coming in two weeks. Amen.